Hi, everybody. I'm Hector Casher. Welcome to Car Crash Radio. Uh, today's my first episode. I want to appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, basically, what I would like to do with this show is bring a different aspect to the uh, soccer card business. Uh, and obviously, we'll be doing different sports as well over time. But what I would like to do is get down to the nitty gritty, find topics that people aren't really talking about. And there might not be none of knowledge. Uh, and a lot of you guys are from overseas. A lot of you guys are uh, you know, not familiar with MLS soccer. And I feel like there's a great value right now in MLS. There's a lot of talent uh, being taken out of the United States and sending overseas, as we've seen recently, uh, with all the success the Americans have been having. And we all know the American hype is real. Uh, so today, our get my first guest ever. Thanks, uh, thanks for by the way for coming on, uh, Buzz Carrick of the Third Degree of ThirdDegree.net. He covers uh, FC Dallas and uh, North Texas soccer. Buzz, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just uh, excited to to have you on and and talk about some uh, some soccer. This has been something that a project I've been trying to do for a long time, and uh, and I really appreciate you being my first guest, man. Thank you. Well, thanks for the honor of being first. I didn't know I was going to be first. Yes, yes, you popped my cherry. Uh, but uh, let, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, basically, FC Dallas, as more research I've done, uh, you know, with, with MLS, I mean, MLS came out with a, I'm sorry, Tops came out with a Bowman set. Uh, I know you're not a card guy, but they came out with this Bowman set and I started getting intrigued. I bought uh, several several packs and then I started getting a lot of players. And then all of a sudden, the more research I did, uh, FC Dallas apparently has uh, been ahead of the curve as far as their academy. They've been de- developing a lot of talent and they've been sort of, I guess you could say, it's, uh, some of the pioneers on talent going overseas. Uh, why is FC Dallas built like that or what, were they, what was their foresight uh, heading into this? Because most MLS talent wasn't being sold previous. Well, the, sh- the answer is that they uh, FC Dallas realized that they could make money um, with youth soccer. Uh, they have a big, gigantic youth uh, program, not just the academy, you know, literally 500 teams of, of kids that all play in the pay-to-play model um, that prop up their base, the academy, that feed their academy. And they have um, satellite organizations, like 10 of them, somewhere between 10 to 12, it changes every once in a while, not only around the United States, but around the world. They have academies in other locations, including Mexico, and some, some places in the Caribbean, um, El Paso is an important one so far down the valley, Rio Grande Valley. But then on top of that, they set up their academy early to be free. Uh, the academy level is um, not pay to play. And what's important about that is that it allows them to pick up players and tap into markets and tap into talent that can't afford the pay model. So they have a broader spectrum of talent. Um, and then on top of that, they recruit nationally and they scout nationally and they bring in players from all over the United States and from these other satellite academies all over the world. Um, and then the last reason is that they the academy was set up by Oscar Perea as the co- coach at Orlando. He's from Columbia and he came out of youth academy systems there. Uh, and they put a lot of knowledge together to sort of create this academy system. And one of the topics I think you're going to have here in a minute fed into this more recently and help develop their academy. And then the bottom line is the reason Dallas is successful at selling players is that they've they've come to realize that there's a certain kind of player in the American market that is lacking in the European market. And um, Weston McKinney and Alfonso Davies are two examples of this kind of player. Uh, European teams literally have hundreds of kids that are five, six, five, eight, nifty ball handlers, right? Everybody wants to be messy. Well, they need people that aren't messy. 
And if you look at guys like Davies or like Brian Reynolds, who are, you know, six foot three, gigantic, strong power, physicality, speed, run the line from, you have to have a great soccer talent too, but they've tapped into this market and they've developed players that have something European teams don't have. And that's right now a very hot commodity in that the world is waking up to the fact that we have extraordinary athletes here who some of whom now play soccer. So that's the change. That's what's different. Now you mentioned Weston McKinney. Let's, let's talk about him. Most people actually don't know. He originally started in FC Dallas. Uh, are you surprised to see how everything's worked out for him and how far he's come? Uh, I'm not surprised at 90% of it. Uh, he's a phenomenal talent. You know, he was highly regarded when he came through the Academy. He was in youth national team systems. You know, he, he was like MVP of some tournaments and such like that when he was a teenager. Uh, Dallas misplayed him, however, in the sense that to that point in the Academy development system, they weren't really signing teenagers. FC Dallas wasn't. They weren't signing 15-year-old, 16-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been... So they sort of waited for Weston to get closer to 18. Now, depending on who you believe, they tried to offer Western, they say, tried to offer Western McKinney a homegrown deal as he was approaching 18. But there's also a whole lot of evidence to people that say that they really didn't do that, that they basically were like, going to let him go to college or just sort of in a wait and see mentality. Um, But the other side of the coin to being successful here in the United States, and this has to do with Weston McKinney, is that there are a lot of European scouts here now. There's a lot of people that work here full time for specific teams. There are independent scouts that basically cover like a country and will sell. There's a guy here in Dallas, notably, that sells to German teams and, and agents for German teams, like lots of them, not just one. Oh. Uh, and so he got spotted by one of these scouts and got fed to Schalke. So the minute Schalke came in as he was approaching his 18th birthday, it meant the minute that interest came in and you know that Wesson lived in Germany when he was, when he was a kid a little bit. So when that interest came in and there more specifically, the amount of money they could offer came in, it was over. There was no way he was going to stay with FC Dallas and whether they actually made a paltry homegrown offer to him before or after, I believe it's after that Schalke had already come in just to sort of save face. But regardless, it was over and he was gone and there's nothing they could do about it. Now, I am not surprised that he was successful with Schalke. I'm not surprised that eventually the, a big team like Juventus came in for him. Uh, I am surprised, however, about how good he has been. I don't think anybody saw him to be this good. I mean, right now, the kid's playing out of his mind. He might be one of Juve's best players. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that that's... Uh, I mean, a kid from Dallas. I mean, it's it's remarkable. remarkable. Yeah, so um, the funny thing about Weston McKinney, unrelated, I mean, it's related to his transfer, but not related to him specifically, is that that miss by Dallas was a massive, massive wake-up call for Dallas and for all of MLS across the board. They, The league basically had to had a totally, if you will, it was almost a kick in the balls. Like, what are you guys doing? And so Dallas immediately starts signing 15, 16, 17-year-old kids out of their academy. We call them protect the investment signings. They're, yeah. they're, they're signing guys that they think will be sellable to Europe down the line. And there's been a handful of them now, and they're all kids. And anybody that signs at that teenage age rather than like out of college, those teenagers are the ones that like, those are the guys that could be explosive. Those are the bets, in my mind, those are the bets you want to make because those are the kids who, you know, when they're 15, nobody knows who they are. When they're 19, they're in Europe like Alfonso Davies, right? So so you do think the Weston McKinney 
Because um, Weston McKinney, I believe, got plucked out of, uh, like you said, the Youth Academy. And, but I also believe Gio Reyna as well. Yeah. You, I, I might. I want to say it was Gio, after Gio Reyna's success there that MLS apparently became a selling league. Because prior to that, they were trying to keep – they weren't really selling as much. Do you think that's true? Well, the, they as a collective – and Reyna's part of this too. As a collective, they realized – that the biggest builder of their reputation worldwide would be for players to go over and become super successful at the highest level. You know, it's the equivalent, it's equivalent to a college who has a chance to have one of their players become a big NFL star in a sense, right? The college gains reputation. So it's, it's less about, it's partially a tiny bit about the fact that they can make a profit with it. That's only a little piece of it. More of it is about building recognition and building stature and Dallas figured this out a long time ago, uh, and the rest of the league is catching up. If you're a team that's willing to sell, people will want to come to your team. You know, D- Dallas and MLS knows that they're not going to be able to afford the very best players in the world for the prime of their career. Maybe we can get them when they're teenagers or their early 20s and enjoy them for a couple of years and then make a profit off of them, you know. So they 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 recognize that they're not yet one of the big teams in the world, big leagues in the world, and that this is what every and and really everyone in the world sells players. Even Juve sells players, right? So mm-hmm. they recognize that this is part of the way soccer works, and they recognize that it's going to be a profit, b building brand, building recognition, building stature, c getting in young talent to come to you. And Dallas has has that cornered. Kids from all over the United States come to Dallas to play for that academy because the academy. Number one, we'll sign you. Number two, play you. And number three, sell you. Yeah, and that gives you the opportunity, obviously, to go to the big leagues if, if you are if you perform. So I can understand that for sure. Let's talk about some players that graduated from that FC Dallas program. I mean, uh, in August last year, we saw Reggie Cannon uh, kind of, you know, I don't know if whether it was because he wanted out or whether it was because of the whole Black Lives Matter movement, but he moved on to Bovista in Portugal. Uh, where he's played extremely well. Uh, he's been one of the top backs for in, in that whole league. Um, and he's getting a lot of attention. I mean, uh, you know, the rumors have been going around that he's there's uh, clubs from all over Europe that are interested in, in signing him uh, and, and bring him in, bring him in uh, even Premier League clubs. Uh, tell us about Reggie and, and what's going on with his situation. Sure. Reggie uh, signed uh, a deal with Desi Dallas out of after his first year of UCLA, uh, his parents made him go to college. Basically, uh, if you know anything about his background, his his uh, family is highly educated, and they wanted him to at least get some college experience. So he did that, and then he signed with Desi Dallas. But um, Reggie has been trying; was not did not want to go because of the Black Lives Matter thing. He's he had been trying for two years to transfer to Europe because he wanted to transfer to Europe. It's not that he had necessarily wanted to get out of Dallas per se. It's just that it's the big leagues you want to go. And so from the middle of the the first season, he started playing consistently, became a starter from the middle of that season. He started trying to facilitate his transfer. These things just take a long time to happen. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they're overnight, but sometimes they take a long time. Was, uh, was it, was it FC Dallas trying to get, uh, was trying to move them or was it just uh, they were not interested? Well, they liked him, but um, you know, it's, they don't ever, it's a hard line to walk of, we want to keep our good players and we want to sell them. Dallas doesn't want to sell, doesn't want to keep somebody that doesn't want to be here. They will help you move on because they want the reputation of being a club that will help you move on. They want to be seen as a club that will further your career. That's how you get good players. So in his case, uh, you can see for a fact that they were trying to facilitate his move well before 
the Black Lives Matter stuff because he signed a new contract at the beginning of the season that was designed with built-in escalators that made it a priority for the club to move him. It would have really handcuffed the club if they would have kept him. So that deal was designed to push him out the door, not push him out the door, to facilitate his move out the door. So this was all in the works way before the start of the 2020 season. Awesome. Awesome. See, now let's tell me about Reggie's game. I mean, uh, yeah. is, does he have like a, I mean, he's killing it in Portugal, uh, which a lot of people are actually surprised. I mean, you know, I guess they didn't expect him. He wasn't that high, uh, high uh, name guy that went out there uh, going to a, a division. I believe it's a division two team, uh, but now he's got the attention of all the majors. I mean, let's talk about his yeah. game upside. Well, um, for one Portugal, in my mind, play-wise is just about the same as Major League Soccer. That's not a step up in competition. So it's not surprising he was successful there. Um, Reggie is a modern outside back in the sense that he's a two-way player. He has a better defensive foundation than um, than Brian Reynolds does, for example. But Reggie is something that Dallas does commonly. He's a converted attacking player. Like earlier in his career, he was at a, a number 10 for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Dallas loves to go to some other club and take their best player, their best nine, their best 10, bring them into FC Dallas and make them an outside back or a center back or a de- defensive mid. So Reggie falls into that category, but he is a better defender than attacker at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gotten a lot better at the offensive phase of the game. He's a pretty good crosser. Not as good as Reynolds, but pretty good crosser. Um, the ability that he's working on trying to develop is a, his classic game is the get to the end and then get the ball in game. He's trying to develop the cut inside underneath game, which was something he didn't really have a lot of in his bag. And he started, he's been getting better at it. So that's where his progression will come is in the offensive end, his ability to come internally and combine on the inside, not just the outside. The problem for Reggie is that Boa Vista has – by all reports, has money problems. They are looking for investors. So um, there's the escalator in Reggie's contract, apparently, that that means, that means that they have to pay less of a percentage of any sale for Reggie, but now they owe Dallas more money up front. Now it's up to, I think it's three-something million now. The problem is, uh, it's been reported by other people that Dallas has yet to receive any money for Reggie that they've been stiffed basically by Boa Vista, which shows you that the Boa Vista has money problems. Well, the reason that hurts Reggie is because Boa Vista more than likely will be asking for as much money as they can possibly get for Reggie. So they're like, they're, they're asking price reportedly when like Porto or um, Benfica came sniffing, they were like 10 million. Well, Brian Reynolds didn't get 10 million. Right. Yeah. So is Reggie going to, who's not the player Brian Reynolds is, is Reggie going to get 10 million? Boy, I don't know, man. The, the, the key thing is, is that when you're playing in Portugal, you're more visible to European teams. They can pop right over and watch you play in person, which is different than video. Absolutely. You know, so the exposure is higher. And that's why you go to a league like Portugal, even though the competition is pretty much the same, the exposure is different because people there know that league in and out. They know who you're playing. And then you get seen and you get spotted. So there may be a little bit of a problem for him to move on from Boa Vista because of the club's demand for money, because they owe Dallas money, because they owe a sell-on percentage, they're going to want a high price. So it's going to be kind of a sticky situation for him. I totally believe that Reggie's got the level of the game to play at a much higher level than he's at now. I don't think he's like the Juve 
Real Madrid, like highest club in the world level, but he's definitely big five league level for sure. Well, that look, sounds like a good buying opportunity for investors. I mean, he's some of his cards are only $2 and $3. So, I mean, we could buy some of his early cards, his rookie cards, and hopefully when he gets to one of those big big teams, uh, that'll be a good investment there for, uh, for us in, in the game. Um, now, He when, is ambitious, and he does have a, a, the goal to get to the highest level he can. He is in his, you know, what's he now, 21, 22. So there's plenty of growth room there. You know, players – progress till they're 27-ish usually. So lots of room for growth, lots of room progression for there for him. They mentioned Brian Reynolds. Uh, Brian yeah. was probably the guy who benefited most from Cannon's departure from FC Dallas. Uh, he started what? You, we talked about this earlier. He started, what, only 16 games? So he got signed by AS Roma, uh, or it was going to be who induced originally. So two of the major clubs in Italy – off of 16 games. Yeah. Uh, tell us about Brian Brian Reynolds, man. Oh, man. The, the, the names of the list of clubs that came sniffing around and asking about him is just unbelievable. Um, this is a kid who was highly thought of from a, a, a teenage as a, as a teenager. Even at 15, when the club signed him, he was already part of the U-17 national team. He went to the U-17 World Cup. You know, for, at that point, he was a high winger, like a striker, a winger. Um, and, and Peter Lucine, who's an assistant coach here in Dallas and who has played at the highest levels in Europe, um, suggested that they try Brian as a right back. And the reason that is, is because Brian is at his best when he gets a run at people, when he can start from deep and come at you and build up a head of steam and blow past you like your feet are in cement. So, you know, he, he, that conversion happened and he spent the last couple of years, you know, trying to convert to right back. And as much as like two years ago, uh, I would have said, is it, it's as likely he would never play for Dallas as it was that he would play because he was, he had all the athletic attributes, all the physical attributes, but it hadn't really clicked for him mentally. And then over the last two years, the light sort of turned on and he realized what his game was and, and figured out how to make it work. And he got a lot of sub appearances, but it wasn't until Reggie left and they finally gave him a run that really people knew. The difference is that once Brian got into an MLS lineup, then we saw that, okay, now he's doing it against the highest level of competition in the United States. And when you watch him play, there are moments where he makes defensive mistakes. There's moments where he misreads the game. That stuff can be taught. What you can't teach is the, the pace he has that once he made a mistake is that he can run, he's fast enough that he can recover and get back into position and stop that mistake from punishing the team. Or on the offensive end, his crossing is some of the best crossing we've ever seen in Dallas. Or he'll pick up the ball on the wing and dribble through five defenders and then find a guy. And there's a moments of such electric play. That's why he's worth $8 million, $10 million, is that they see a guy and they think, man, with a little coaching, that guy could be Alfonso Davies too. You know, there's an electric level of play, the, the speed, the pace, the athleticism, the power combined with an attacking players. Cause remember he's converted attacker uh, combined with that innate flair and instinct on the attacking end. Like we like to say uh, defenders are taught, are, are learned attackers are born that kind of, uh, creative skill and ability and flair is almost impossible to teach, right? Mm -hmm. No one coached up Lionel Messi, right? Sure. You know, you can coach up a center back or a defender though. Absolutely. 
People yeah, even makes- tried him as center back one time. The U.S. national team for one of their camps one time used him as a center back for the whole camp, which is crazy. But that's why he has such huge value. And uh, going to Roma, he's a uh, puppy, sorry, right? huh? He's a he's a young kid, right? Yeah, he's uh, nineteen. He just right. recently turned nineteen, so he's got the future in front of him, everything in front of him, and that's the key, right? These European clubs, the guys that are worth the big money, are young. They're younger, the better. Like a 22-year-old player to Europe, those that's old. That's way past it. By then, they've already decided that you're not going to cut it. They're looking for guys between like 15 to 19 years old. Now, as an American, you can't go until you're 18. So you lose a couple of years there that are like those key prime years. But believe me, they identify these Americans young. The European scouts do. They're looking at guys that are 10, 12, 13 years old, watching them through their 13, 14, 15. If they can get them to come over, that's great. But if not, they wash them up until they turn 18 and then they snap them up if they can. That's why Dallas signs these kids early so that they can sell them when they turn 18. And that's going to come up with some of these other guys we're going to talk about. And Reynolds' case with Roma, Reynolds, uh, Roma's right side, uh, right back is a bit older. I think he's about 30. So he's, t- you know, 30, 31, 32, 33. That's when you're tailing off your career and it's probably going to wind up depending on some crazy examples that play past that, but not likely. So Reynolds is going to go there and be part of their squad because they have an international spot available for him. Uh, and he'll be there right away. And he'll, he'll probably be the backup for this six months. And my expectation is that going into next season, he's going to be their guy. He'll be their right back starter. Uh, he has all the tools in the world. There'll be some growing pains. Of course, it's a higher level than basically soccer. Absolutely. No question. Uh, but uh, Italy is a perfect place for him there because Defense is important in Italy. They're wonderful defenders. They teach defending. They know defending. That's the part of his game that needs the most work is the defensive side. You know, he's making this decision with his eye on his future long-term and with the national team because this is the move that's going to benefit him the most to one of these defensive teams in Italy. Absolutely. Uh, The hobby actually likes him as well. I mean, his cars are right now. I mean, they're pretty high. I mean, the cheapest ones probably around that I saw recently was 26 bucks. Most expensive was about 100. So, I mean, the hobby's definitely noticing uh, and definitely it's a buying opportunity right now before um, he gets out there. That MLS Bowman, they have a couple of rookie cards there of him. And that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of product on Brian Reynolds yet. So uh, get get them all. It's hot, basically. But the the other thing that I saw was Chris Richards came out of FC, FC Dallas. Now, uh, the more I've read into FC Dallas, they have a partnership with Bayern Munich. Uh, tell me yeah. about this partnership and tell me how Chris Richards just went directly to Bayern. Okay, so the partnership is interesting. Um, on paper, its primary purpose is to facilitate methodology and coaching um, that Bayern Munich's uh, a youth academy and their model was a big influence on the FC Dallas system. They brought in a lot of that pieces. Now they had a system and they had a model themselves here in Dallas and Byron even recognizes how good the Dallas system is. That's part of why they were interested was this exchange of ideas. So Dallas coaches go over and have clinics and sessions and they meet and they talk and discuss front office guys, um, not, not marketing guys, but the front office guys in the player personnel division, same thing. Part of the exchange is the idea that FC Dallas, young FC Dallas players will go over and do training sessions. There's currently one happening right now with six players over there. It's been happening. They've been doing it since 2018, but lots and lots of players have gone over. Dallas really likes this because it takes players out of their comfort zone. It puts them in a difficult situation. 
I mean, it's not like Bayern Munich's a horrible place. I don't mean that, but they're away from their families. They're away from their homes. They're away from their, their girlfriends. You know, they're, they're, they're getting a different coaching. They're thrown into the meat grinder when they get there at a high level. It, it stretches players. It stretches their comfort zone. It puts them under stress. That's how you progress players. Absolutely. That, throws them, yeah. that, that gives them a benefit exposure to something yes. that, that may be coming in the future and they already have a taste of it. So when it actually does happen, it's, it's yeah. just walking along. Yeah. Well, you can tell the ones that they, that you can tell the ones Byron likes because they get invited back multiple times. Like yeah. Thomas Roberts, this is his fourth time to go. Right. Yeah. And they actually asked for him. They wanted him on loan a year ago and Dallas said no, because he was going to be part of their mix. But um, so it won't shock me if, one or two or some of these guys get invited to stay beyond that, but we'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, another part of the deal with Byron is that one of the Dallas youth teams will, will be involved in the Byron campus tournament, which so like the U15 team usually goes over and plays against these big time European teams. These tournaments are really important like this for FC Dallas because the Academy is so good. A lot of times they just crush everybody in the MLS Academy so they need these big international tournaments. Again, puts the players under stress, puts the team under stress, plays against people that are better than you. It's all part of the Dallas model. Um, what is not part of the Dallas model with the part of the Dallas agreement with Bayern Munich is specifically any right of first look at a player, any like we get to buy them or we get to match. That's not, none of that is true. Now they get to look at these players before, you know, they'll bring over scouts. These kids will go over there and they'll play or play over there. So they do get, they do get to look at them, but there's no deal in place, which brings us to Chris Richards. Chris Richards originally um, was not accepted by the Dallas Academy. Famously, Lucci Gonzalez said no and passed on him when the kid was like maybe 13, maybe 15, somewhere in that window, which is funny. And then he went down to play for a club in tech in Houston called, um, Texans, Houston Texans, SC, uh, and played for Eric Quill, who's a now a Dallas coach, played for Eric Quill. So um, Houston Texans, that team won the DA National Championship with Chris Richards and with Chris Kappas, another name you'll know who's not quite the stature of Chris Richards, but is still a remarkable player. They won the National Championship, and then both of those kids could have come back, and Eric Quill, to his credit, said – it'll be better for your development as a pro and better for your future. If you guys jump to FC Dallas for your last year in the Academy. Now that's a tough pill to swallow for a coach to admit, like you guys should go to a different club. So they did, they jumped to FC Dallas and they both played for FC Dallas Academy for a year because you have to play for the Academy for a year before you can sign a homegrown deal. Okay. So at the end of that year, they FC Dallas tried to sign both of them and they were successfully able to sign Chris Richards. Kappas, they couldn't sign because Kappas is from Houston and Houston Dynamo blocked that signing with the homegrown territory rule, which is a stupid rule. So anyway, that's a different discussion with Chris Pat Kappas. So Chris sure. Richards signs with FC Dallas. Now, a lot of people won't know that like when you the Academy season ends in like May-ish, the summer of their year, because that's when their high school ends, right? So that's the academies line up with that. So at the end of that season, most kids that are going to sign a homegrown contract sign their homegrown contract in the summer, but then the MLS won't, doesn't put them on the roster. They sign that contract for the next MLS season, which is like in February. So Chris had six months of nothing to do really. He could train with FC Dallas or he could keep playing with the academy, but he wasn't going to be on the MLS roster. So 
he and Chris went over on one of these training stints to Byron and they had seen him. So when Dallas signed him to that contract, they called up and said, Hey, how about you send him over on a loan? And Dallas said, great. So they loaned him to Bayern Munich and he played for Byron's U19 team and their U23 team. And then after that first six months loan, rather than come back to Dallas, Byron said, we want to buy him. So they bought him. Nice. So that's how he got, that's how he sort of, skipped over the step of playing for FC Dallas, you know, because of the timing of how the contracts lined up and he was already 18 and Byron was in love with him. And so they snapped him up. So the thing, the thing that they like that makes him different from other players, you're talking about a center back. So it's number one, of course, size, athleticism, power, all that stuff is true. The thing that's different about Chris Richards from other players is that he is a former basketball player, a former point guard. So his passing vision is remarkable and his passing game, these long outlet passes is remarkable, much higher level than most players his age. And that's the thing that really stood him out and that Byron got crazy about and, and that made them want to buy him. And that's beyond just being an exceptional soccer player. That's his hallmark is the long passing out of the back, which in the modern game is a key element. And that's why Byron Munich wanted him so badly. Well, that Chris, Chris is one of the guys that, uh, like we mentioned, that they went through the Bayern Munich program. Now, you actually have they actually have guys there right now. Uh, I believe Ricardo Pepe, uh, he's one of the guys that's over there. Uh, tell me about who the, the the current crop of guys that are there now, and what we what we could expect from these guys. Well, Pepe is the bell cow of the the FC Dallas system lately, in the sense that he's the guy that's the most well-known and the most famous because he started for like the U-17 national team. He's the number nine. That's the high-profile, sexy position, the pure goal scorer. Dallas made him their first ever signing for their developmental team, North Texas Soccer Club. Everybody knew he was going to be a homegrown. You know, this was a key protect the investment signing. They knew they had to do it because he is so highly regarded He's a dual national. He can play for both Mexico and the United States. Pepe can. Mm -hmm. So up till now, he's chosen to play for the United States. But all the Mexican teams are salivating over this kid. They really, really want him. All those teams down there do, and they're clamoring. So if and when Pepe thinks it's time to go to Europe, there's going to be competition for him from Mexico. And Mexico has a lot of money now because of their TV deals down there are pretty big. And a lot of those teams are even owned by TV networks, right? So there's a lot of money in Mexico for players and a lot of appeal for a guy like Pepe, who is a Mexican. Not, I don't know if he's a Mexican citizen or not, but he's eligible to play for Mexico. And so he has that tug. So far, he's chosen the United States. He would have been involved in the U.S. U-20 team before the U-20 World Cup got canceled. So that would have been a really high-profile event. Obviously, being exposed to Byron is a really high-profile event. They have invited him back. This is the second time, which, as I said, that's telling that they've invited him back. The first time he did get injured partway through the stint, but they saw enough that they said, please send him back. You know, now, will they want him? I mean, who knows? You know, it, it's so hard to know internally what, whether Byron Minix is really after a guy or not. Um, but certainly Pepe has the prototypical modern high striker. He has enough pace over the top. He's got enough size. Now, again, he's a kid. You know, he's 17, I think. Let me double check that. Yeah. No, he just turned 18. So he still is developing physically, like his upper body is not robust yet. So we don't know what kind of player he's going to become over the next two years. 
but you can see how highly Dallas thinks of him that he's already starting games for them as a 17 year old. And if you're into the modern stat game, he actually has a really high expected goal rate. One of the highest in the team. That means he's playing correctly. He's getting himself into the right positions. He's putting himself in a position to score. That's all key. That's all a huge part of where his value comes. He has the size, he has the pace, everything is there for him to be a big time player. And I think it's only a matter of time before he makes the next step. The next step will be, you know, a big time European team. It won't be probably like a Juventus because you can't walk into, I'm just using him as an example because of Reynolds, sure. you can't walk into Juventus and play as a forward at Juventus at 18, right? I mean, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So likely it'll be a mid, it'll be like Weston with Schalke. It'll be that mid tier big five league, I think. Or if one of these Mexican team comes in with crazy money for him because of that nationality and that appeal, you know, there's a, you, you can find articles about him in the Mexican press all the time about him because of this duel. They, they want him badly to come play for Mexico, you know? So there's a, there's a double market for Pepe that doesn't exist for a lot of these other guys. Absolutely. Uh, as far as cards, I mean, he's got some top style cards from his debut uh, earlier. Uh, and I believe it was 2020. And uh, they, like I told you before, that Bowman set card's been flying off the, uh, off the shelves as well. Uh, and it's only about, uh, the comps were only about 10 to $50. So there's still, uh, from what you're telling me, it sounds like there's a lot of high upside there. So that's definitely a guy that you probably want to invest in for, you know, anywhere between 10 to 15 bucks, 10 to 50 bucks and just ride it out. I mean, is he pretty much the top prospect as far as uh, from a goal scorer, from a guy with high upside? Uh, is that probably the guy that we want to invest in then? He's the most reliable in the sense that he's he was capable of starting an MLS at 16, 17 years of age. So he's the most solid guy in terms of upside the number one starter for the u17s all those things point to a legitimate stable career the most explosive talent if you wanted me to move on i can do that sure the most explosive talent is dante seeley um dante's father uh played scott seeley played in mls um they're uh, they're he's a tnt international dante's father is and so dante has that ability to play for tnt I believe he actually has a TNT passport too. Not that that helps you with the European side, but it is does provide you some flexibility. Dante is a kid, again, was on the radar of the national teams at like 15, 16 years old playing for these teams. He was in U17 camp one time and got taken up to like the Olympic team camp or like taken to senior camp just because his ability was already able to compete with those adults at like 16, 17 years of age. So right now he's 17 and he's already been a pro for a couple of years. Again, this is the protect the investment signing. Now Dante's dad is a coach here, not a, not a soccer coach. He's a physical coach. He works on with kids outside of the Academy on speed, quickness training. So Dante is as dialed in an athlete as you're going to find with all the things that you need, the nutrition, the work, the physicality, all the tools are there. Um, now he has been a little bit of a, uh, not a head case, but a little bit of a, a immaturity level, right. In the sense of like, if things aren't going right, there's a little bit of a pout, but over the last year and a half, he's made some really remarkable strides in terms of maturity. And he's actually become a hard worker and, has, and the explosive progression of him over the last year of how year and a half here in Dallas is remarkable. Now, the reason I say that he's the most explosive upside Right now, he's only getting garbage minutes for FC Dallas, which 
and I'm not a card guy, but I assume that mean his, means his card is going to be relatively low in value. Uh, uh, four, but, between four and 15 bucks right now. So that's a great. Yeah. Right we'll consider that already at age of 15 and 16, he's been invited over on multiple training stints with clubs, not Bayern Munich, mind you, other clubs. He's already been to Villarreal. He's already been to PSV, right? Now he's at Bayern Munich. This kid is an explosive, explosive attacking talent. He's a, he has the ability to take on one, two, three defenders at a time. He will dribble through swaths of defenders when he's playing for North Texas or he's playing for the academy. He just destroys the level he's at. Now, awesome. a little bit of the problem with him so far is that with all this talent, he's not 100% sure what to do yet in terms of the game, in terms of the tactics. But that's not why you buy a kid, right? When, when you're a European powerhouse, you buy them for these moments, for this potential, for this athleticism, for this size. You know, he's listed at five ten, but I think he's already over six feet tall. I think that listing is old because he's in the explosive growth of his age, right? Being 16, 17. He's now 17. So for me, Dante Seeley, who will be 18 in about eight in April, I think. So for me, that's the guy that's gonna go next. Like this summer, he'll 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 turn 18 in April, and the summer windows will open when all the European teams are now loading up for the next season. And in my mind, he's gone. This is the window where he's gonna jump, I think. Uh, because now people are seeing him. It would have been even more true if he would have been involved in the U20s or the U23s. Those tournaments are being canceled, so he's not gonna get that exposure. But you know, people have seen enough of him before this with all these training stints. I think he's the next one that's going to go. And I think he's the one that has the family pedigree, the genetics, his dad's an international, he's an international, all the talent is there. This is the explosive guy who from current value to upside in my mind. Buzz, I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, only if I'm right. <laughs> I'm, literally, I'm literally on eBay right now and I'm uh, looking up his cards right now. I'm like, I got to get more shares of this guy. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. I love it. I love it. This is exactly why, uh, Car Cracks podcast is that's that's the vision behind it. Find guys like Dante Silva that I had no clue about until I spoke to you about him. Because uh, everybody's talking about the other guys. I mean, Jesus Ferreira. You have Paxton. You have Tanner. Uh, what about those guys? I mean, are we are, yeah. uh, high upside guys? Tanner is a late bloomer, but he has shown. You know, even even at the start of last season, the team wasn't necessarily ready to give him a homegrown deal. Now, I thought they were crazy. I thought he was amazing for the last couple of years, but. Um, you know, his progression has been remarkable in the sense that he's gotten into the team. And again, size, right? He's 6'3", power, athleticism. Dabo Sweeney is his godfather, the Clemson coach. He talked about Tanner. Wait, you know, he committed. Huh? Wait, so you're telling me he he turned down a scholarship offer? Uh, I, yeah. I read somewhere about Clemson. From Clemson, yeah. He, he went down wow. to Clemson football camp, and he's never played American football in his life, Tanner. And he was he was – kicking 50 yard field goals without any training at all. And then he flipped around and kicked them left footed the same distance without any training at all. And Dabo's like, here's a scholarship. (laughs) And now Dabo says he could play tight end for me. He could play strong safety for me. Now this is Clemson, mind you. The kids never played American football. He said he could start for our basketball team. That's the level athlete you're talking about here with Tanner Tessman. So again, whatever it is. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing athlete. Like you watch yeah. him play on the field and he just runs over guys like a bull and just knocks them down. Strength, power combined with play, touch, passing vision. Again, like Chris Richards, he hits these 50 yard bomb passes right on the dime. The kid's got everything you would want. 
So all of a sudden, as a late bloomer, he's now burst onto the scene and now people are really paying attention to him. So he's got a longer term deal and he's actually playing a lot for FC Dallas. He's moved up in the rotation ahead of other homegrown players. So he's stated his ambition is to go to Europe. I don't think it's this year. I think he wants another year in MLS probably, but sometime in the next year or two, I think he'll be gone. So he's got upside. He's got athleticism. He's got power. He doesn't have the absolute game-breaking pace, but he has deceptive pace and that he covers massive, massive amounts of ground and doesn't ever get beat like on a sprint. So again, uh, athleticism, size, power, strength. That's what these European teams are after. And he has it. And there's, he, he was invited to go to this Byron thing, but didn't because he went to the Olympic team, the U23 team instead with the, with the invitation on the table that he would stick around for the senior national team, which tells you that the level that everyone all thinks he's at, that he got invited to stick around for the senior team when he's only 18 years of age. So again, still a teenager, remarkable upside here on him as well which is why he's probably one of the guys that will be going pretty soon. Dante, uh, Tanner, and Ricardo, should we expect them uh, in April once MLS comes back? Uh, should we expect them in the starting lineup, or is Dante still going to be – or any of them going to be reserves? Well, those guys are all probably going to be reserves, but they're in the 18 in the sense that they will consistently play. Yeah. Um, Tanner's at a position that also has Brian Acosta, who's a World Cup veteran prime of his career, 28 years old for Honduras, right? So that guy's a DP getting paid crazy amounts of money. It's hard to unseat that guy. But squad rotation matters in Major League Soccer. There's going to be lots of games to play, lots of chances for Tanner to play. He'll play a lot. He won't start 34 games, but he'll be 10 to 15 games, probably half the games maybe he'll start because there'll be a rotation in, in there. Pepe, the same thing. He's behind a, play, a guy named Frank O'Hara who's getting get paid a million dollars a year. That's one reason why they've used Pepe on the wing a little bit is in order to try and get him good minutes. I'm expecting Pepe to start over 15, over 10 games, maybe as close as many as 15, depending on what positions they put him in and depending on how bad Frank O'Hara turns out to be. Dante Sealy is further down the depth chart in the sense that he's not ready to start an MLS. Like I said, like his team concepts and, and game concepts are not there yet. But you don't buy any of these guys for where they are now. You You're buy right. them for where they're going to be in five years. Absolutely. Right? So Dante will be junk minutes off the bench like he was this season, unless he makes another progression. Entirely possible he could. We'll have to see what happens in camp. But the, those guys are the, – the, that's the difference between Paxton and Jesus and those guys. Is Paxton and Jesus are proven MLS starters, but these other guys are the ones that have the higher sale value. If that makes sense yeah. to you. With that, with that being said, so do you expect the Paxtons and the Jesuses to, to make that European move to, or, or are they going to be solid MLS players? No, I think they'll both go to Europe eventually. Um, I think Jesus is more likely. Again, he's Colombian eligible as well as U.S. eligible. Although right. he's picked, he actually made the switch to play for the United States, so he can't go back to Colombia now. But he does, I believe, have a Colombian passport because he is a U.S. citizen, but he has a Colombian. He just became a U.S. citizen. So before this, he was a Colombian citizen. So he probably still has that passport. Absolutely. Jesus is very versatile. He's 20, so two years older, which is a, was a slightly little bit less value. Again, 5'8", though, right? Not 6'3", not, not the power, not the strength. Quick, yes, but not this explosive huge American athlete that these European teams are coveting still 
phenomenal player. He was the Dallas leading goal scorer a year ago. I totally expect within a couple of years that he will go to Europe somewhere. Um, he's probably, I think he has more of a mercenary mindset because his dad's played all over the world. You know, his dad was a former Dallas MVP, David Ferreira, former Columbia international. So again, the pedigrees there, the genetics are there. The, the, uh, the eyes are on the bigger European prize. So I think that he'll go, he won't have the high upside value of some of these other guys in terms of like big clubs, big money, but I definitely think he'll be making the jump at some point and be a successful pro over there. Paxton. Yeah. I believe he's hurt. Correct. Paxton. Yeah. Paxton has really struggled the last two seasons with injuries and that's going to really hurt his potential value. If you can't stay healthy, no one's going to buy you, right? He's got to prove that he can get his body right, compete the way he does and stay healthy. Now, Again, undersized, but super, super quick, amazing mentality. Arguably the most interesting soccer, whatever you want to call it, instincts, brain, something, creativity, difference maker, like the little, the intangibles that like just just to be insane, the intangibles that Messi have that make him messy, right? Paxson of, of the Dallas players, Paxson is most like that. Now, don't be stupid. He's not messy within a million years of messy, but he's he's got more of those so undefinable little properties that make him special and make him a game-changing player rising to the occasion in big games uh, that make him interesting. Now, again, short and small, which is a, a harm an inability to stay healthy is a harm. He also is a bit of a homebody. He's, he's a guy that stays in the moment. He likes playing for Dallas. He's from here. His family's from here. You know, he's content here. He has stated publicly that he wants to be an MVP level player here before he goes to Europe. He, he does. He has said that he someday he would like to go, but he's not in a hurry. He wants to take it one step at a time. So I don't think he's leaving in the next year or two. I think he's leaving when he's 24, 25, make that one prime of career move for the one big contract, three or four year contract, you know, have that moment in the sun of doing it. But I think for the most part, he's pretty, he wants to prove himself here. And honestly, if he can't get healthy, he's not going anywhere, right? Let's face it. Because yeah. if you can't stay on the field, no one's going to buy you for squat. So I'm not a card guy, but like, you know, depending on where you catch Paxton's value out, like if his, if his value drops because of these injuries and then he can figure out how to get healthy, there is some upside there. It's just that right now, no one knows what's going to happen with this kid because he can't, can't stay on the field. Yeah. Well, there's a, the, the hobby likes him. I mean, he's one of the higher guys in the hobby. He's between five and $30. Um, and you have, uh, uh, Jesus, who is uh, between two and twenty-five, so there's still some value there as well. So that's the good news for for buyers. I mean, like I said, the, the great part about this is that there's plenty of value here. I mean, a couple of other guys that have uh, MLS Bowman cards from uh, FC Dallas, uh, Thomas Roberts uh, and Edwin. Edwin's a defender, right? I mean, is he going to be taking over for uh, uh, Brian Reynolds? Yeah, Eddie Manjoma is a defender. That's correct. He's the most like Brian Reynolds in terms of pure style. But at the age of 22, he, he already played for all four years in college, you know, and, and Dallas as an organization had picked Reggie Cannon over him in terms of homegrown deal 
early on. Now he's a homegrown now and he has their same style. He is an attacking end to end guy, but at his age and look, he's never even played an MLS game. You know, it's like, this is a guy who's a project for Dallas. And like, will he ever be a Dallas, you know, key Dallas player is not even clear right now. So this is, that's not a kid who you can look at and think, Oh man, there's going to be this huge explosive upside you know as i said for european teams 22 24 that's old that's already way out of what they're looking for so i i don't see at best in my mind eddie's going to be an mls player and he might not even be an mls player i just don't see anything past that and thomas roberts uh he's a midfielder correct yes thomas roberts was a pure 10 in the academy he's the best single ball handler to come out of the academy. Now, the, the problem for Thomas is that nobody uses a 10, a 10 anymore. This is the, the Ozil problem with Arsenal, right? It's like people use these hybrid 8-10 uh, combos, right? like a free eight, they'll call it, where you need to be able to play both ways. Now, to his credit, Thomas has done a great job adapting his game and learning the other half of the game. Uh, the, he's actually been, to show you his potential, he's been invited to Bayern Munich four times now. And they actually asked for him on loan a year ago. So he would have been sort of the next Chris Roberts scenario. They wanted him to come on loan. And Dallas said no, ostensibly out of the idea that he was going to be in the mix this year. And then they went out and signed a couple prime of career players. And so he didn't get any playing time. But, you know, he's obviously valued in terms of his pure talent by the organization. He's now 19. Byron obviously respects him, at least on some level, because he's been four times. He's also been to a couple other German clubs on trials. He went to Hibernian in Scotland on trial. So a kid that's looking for the next opportunity. Now, one of the things I really like about Thomas, other than his pure talent, is this year, he took started to take responsibility for his own development and began working with an outside trainer in order to get stronger and shore up some areas of his body or to get more physical and be able to withstand the level. A lot of kids that have talent get to the pro level where their whole life they've been the best player in every game they've ever played. And then they get to the pro level and it's like, I'm not even the best guy in, in my five-a-side team <laughs> in training, right? So you have to hit that wall, recognize there's a wall there, and internally, you have to find something in yourself to break through it. And Thomas has now done that. He's found that drive to do the extra things to break through. And I think it's just only a matter of time before he gets the opportunity. Maybe it's going to be with Byron. To be back, the fact them invite him back for a fourth time is remarkable. And to, for them to have asked for him on loan, to me, that's remarkable. They Because, you know, he's an internal central midfielder. They got bags of guys like that. He's right. He's just short of six feet tall, right? So he doesn't have this size and strength and power as some of these other guys that the German teams want, yet they still want him, which ought to tell you about the level of game and potential they see in him. So he's a guy that has some big upside if he can get the right opportunity to express that and show that. I think he's going to be now, he's not going to be like a world beater, but he's going to be a solid top five league uh, European player in my mind. He has all the game for that well past Major League Soccer in my mind. In that case, he's a value right now because his cards are only going for about a, between a dollar and ten. So, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a value right now because nobody really. How old is he? He's 19. So he's still in that window. They, right. And like that window. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with him is going to be the exposure. If Dallas sits on him and doesn't let him have exposure, like they last year, they played him mostly with their North Texas team and he dominated those games. Like he's so good over the back half of the season. He was so good. that You're like, why is he even there? It's stupid that he's there. Like he needs that next phase. And if he gets it, 
there's big value. If Dallas, for some reason, keeps him here and sits him in the bench and he never plays, then that value is not going to be there, right? He's got to get that exposure. He's got to get that opportunity to play. If it means a loan to Byron, where he probably would be a U23, more than likely for Byron. If it's a loan here where he goes to another pro team, or if it's a mid-tier European, like like Hibernian, where he went for uh, two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. sat out of quarantine and then did the whole two weeks and scored a couple of goals and, you know, showed well. Again, exposure with him. He's got to get people seeing him so he can make that next leap. Awesome. Now, as far as uh, the rest of FC Dallas Youth Academy, I mean, you have a, ha- a hands-on look uh, with their degree, uh, .net. You're covering the, the actual team and the, and the Youth Academy and even North Texas. Uh, is there anybody that we should be paying attention to? Just, you know, kind of jot the name down and, and pay attention to see if he's coming through the ranks in the future that maybe doesn't have a card as of today. Yeah, Justin Shea is the one so far. Uh, he's the next Chris Richards. Now, I know center backs aren't sexy, but this is a kid that was just signed last year, middle of the season, in order to be a pro for this season that's about to start. He's about to – let's see, when's his birthday? It is in November. So he'll be 17 this whole season coming up. He'll turn 18 next November, right? Key, he has a German passport. Mm-hmm. So he is the next he – he was a forward and converted to center back. So, again – He's he's already 6'1 at 17, size, power, athleticism, signed early, German passport. He's about to be the rookie, so there probably is going to be the rookie card, I'm guessing. I don't know how that works, right? So he's the next. They they played him in North Texas this last year as an academy player. He started out as a right back for the first half of the year, switched to center back, which is where his future was. So at 16, he spent the whole year playing against 30-year-old men banging and learning and he'll this next year he'll do the same thing he'll spend most of his time with north texas soccer club but if you're looking for a get in early big time future this is the next protect the investment signing this is the next guy he's at byron right now with all the other guys right 17 years oh, he old is, he is with that group he's with that group which tells you the level that which they're going to send him like the, the guys that go over are the guys these are the ones yeah, right so before, right yeah he's he's over there right now getting that exposure with that german passport in hand so you know he might not come back well yeah he might not honestly it depends on how much they like him you know this is the kind of exposure like, like chris richards it could be like dude we want him now or maybe it's We'll leave him in Dallas for a year, right? He signed a Dallas for a contract, perfectly content if you're Byron to leave him there for a year playing where he is. You know, it depends on whether they have a hole in one of their youth teams where they're like, we can plug him in right now or we're going to wait a little bit, you know, if they decide they like him. Maybe somebody else will have witnessed him. Like if they play some scrimmages, another team could see him, you know. Uh, the, as I've said, all the German clubs, all the European clubs have scouts here. So he's playing at 16 in the USL 1 you know, playing against pros. So again, if, you know, center back. So not super sexy, but if you're looking for the next Chris Richards, this is it. Awesome. Now, and now, if you want to get down into the academy, the unsigned players, this is where you get into much, much more of a crapshoot. Like there are some talents that I think are on the table that are going to come through in the next couple of years. Um, Brian Reynolds has a younger brother named Ty. I don't think his got the athleticism that Brian does, but obviously once people saw Brian, people are going to look at Ty Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kid who's already as a U15, uh, sorry, as a U17 played for North Texas called um, Diego Hernandez. So he maybe is one of the next homegrown signings. He's a central midfielder. 
Um, there's a kid named Justin Jones, who's a U17, who as it when he was a U15, he got invited into a U17 national team camp. He's a, he's a Tessman clone, six foot one, power, size, strength, runs the field end to end. So he's a guy that lines up with want these what these European teams are liking. And then if you want to go down even further, uh, Matthew Corcoran, who's a uh, one of the top midfield recruits in the whole country plays for um, just moved up to the U 17 team. There's um, a goalkeeper and that also did the same thing who at the age of 14 was six, five. His name is Julian Eyestone. He's, he's a massive, massive kid already. And, and, but super athletic, not, not lanky and, and uncoordinated big and athletic at like 14. So those are the guys that are the most exciting, like right now. So over the next three or four years, if some of those guys get signed to these protect your investment, 15, 16, 17 year old contracts, then you'll know, then you'll know that they're the ones to keep an eye on. Yeah. As a, as a card investor, uh, you know, we always say, do your own research uh, and knowledge is power, obviously. And that's really how I met you and, and how I follow you on uh, thirddegree.net and, and your podcast. I mean, tell everybody where they can follow you so they can keep up with you with the, with the news on, on FC Dallas, as well as these guys that we reviewed today. Well, everything we do is called Third Degree. The website is thirddegree.net. You can find us on Twitter at thirddegree.net, Instagram, thirddegree.net. Uh, our podcast is called Third Degree, the podcast. <laughs> it's pretty easy to find. Um, I have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash thirddegree. Um, now, if you sign up for the Patreon, you get a little extra stuff. I do these little daily mini podcasts. They're like two to 10 minutes each, depending on the topic I'm talking about. Called, they're called Third Degree Burns. So we do, we deep, deep dive into FC Dallas. And generally speaking, in the in the card market, my biggest I'm not a card guy, but my biggest advice would be watch for these teenagers that get signed by these clubs, by these MLS clubs. Those are the guys with the biggest explosive upside and potential to go to Europe and be these big, huge superstars. The guys that the leagues who invest millions of dollars in scouting, millions of dollars in player development, they have literally five thousand kids in their system, and they sign one. That's the guy, right? Now, there are late bloomers. Exceptions do happen. Tanner's a late bloomer, for example. But these teenagers are where the superstar products are going to come out of are these teenage 15, 16-year-old kids that get signed by MLS clubs. Awesome. Buzz, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate your time and all the uh, energy you gave us. A ton of information. I love it. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And we're going to have to have you back in the future to, to discuss some more FC Dallas. Is that all right with you? Yeah, no problem. Good luck with your podcast. I hope it becomes a success and I hope that uh, you guys enjoy your hobby in the card market. Not my bag, but I, I know people love it. So I'm excited for it to become a thing for Major League Soccer. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And and uh, by the way, guys, I'm not I'm not only a, a, a buddy of Buzz, I'm also a client. I do subscribe to his Patreon and I do listen to his podcast on uh, I, I listen through Apple, but uh, it, it is good stuff and it gives you a lot of details. And that's why I wanted Buzz on today to give you guys those little details too to help you with your investments. But thanks again, Buzz. I appreciate it. Uh, until next time, guys, have a great day.